You are listening to episode 51 of the Tennis Files podcast with special guest David Bailey. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everyone, welcome to the Tennis Files podcast. Uh, it's my pleasure to uh, have David Bailey on the podcast to talk about footwork. Uh, Dave is a very accomplished uh, coach. He's the creator of the Bailey Tennis Footwork Method, which you can check out at www.baileytennisfootwork.com. Dave has spent uh, 30 years uh, studying and researching the steps and movements of the top tennis professionals. As we all know, you know, footwork is one of the most important parts of the game. Uh, and the Bailey Tennis Footwork Method is arguably, you know, one of the most advanced and comprehensive tennis training programs uh, in the world today. David uh, has developed a ton of awesome tennis athletes, uh, elite ones, and, and also ones from, uh, you know, beginners all the way to uh, top tournament level. Uh, and some of the big names that Dave has worked with, uh, who, who have uh, over 21 Grand Slam players that he's worked with, by the way, uh, Monica Seles, uh, Jarmila uh, Getsidzova, sorry for butchering that, um, Jelena Dokic, Bethany Maddox-Sands, um, Irina Falcone, and Vince Spadia, to name a few. Uh, so, Dave, welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, and I really, really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to join us. Absolutely. It's uh, look, really looking forward to it, and, and yeah, thanks for inviting me. Oh, no, it's definitely my pleasure. I mean, as I mentioned, footwork is uh, really a, a tough part of the sport, and a lot of people get it wrong, you know, with sometimes we move, uh, you know, inefficient, and so it's great to have somebody who's, you know, a top uh, expert in footwork like yourself, Dave. So I just want to uh, kind of start off the interview by asking you, uh, what caused you to become so passionate about tennis footwork? Well, I was lucky because my dad actually played at Wimbledon. So he's, he's 80 something now. And, uh, so tennis has always been in my blood and I just self, so I've always just loved the sport. And, and I think I really just love the athletic side to, to tennis. I, I just, there's just so many different, uh, fitness components involved. So it's very challenging as a sport to work on the fitness side and the movement side of things. And, uh, yeah, it's such a beautiful athletic sport that I love. And, so yeah, I just love the game and, and to be able to work, work on, on, you know, in the game of tennis is very exciting for me. Yeah, for sure, Dave. I mean, it's, a, it's the best sport in the world, in my opinion. Um, and so you, you talked about your dad being involved in tennis at a, I mean, a super high level, but uh, what is your uh, background in tennis? Well, I played at an A1 level. So, you know, I still played at a very good level, which enables me to be able to demonstrate all the things that I want my clients to do and to be able to feed the ball really well. So I think, you know, just having that good level of play really helped. But I have also a phys ed background, so I'm very interested, you know, which a physical educational background. So I'm very interested more in the athletic side of, of, of the game. And um, I'm also a registered nurse, so I have a bit of a health background as well. So I suppose, you know, I love the game, but was particularly interested in more the athletic side and developing, you know, tennis athletes more than, I suppose, tennis players. But you know, I still obviously have coached for 30 years, but just really like to specialize on the footwork side of things. Yeah, that's uh, definitely fantastic. I also like how you mentioned how you uh, enjoy the fitness part of uh, tennis. I mean, I mentioned in the last episode that I'm uh, studying to be a, a tennis, uh, oh gosh, tennis performance trainer, I believe, uh, for ITPA. 
Um, yep. And so that's kind of uh, been fun for me. But and so, I mean, who were some of the biggest influence, uh, influencers, obviously, besides your father that got you involved in, in tennis and footwork? Well, it's funny, it nothing to do with tennis, but I love Bruce Lee. I mean, I, I studied him really, really intensely, and I loved how he was sort of a philosopher as well. And I was really influenced in the fact that he studied a whole series of martial arts and, and came up with his own, you know, style of martial arts just through his research. I was really just, I was really um, influenced by him and, and, and his thinking and in his study. And another huge influence was a guy called Johnny Andell from tennisplayer.net because he was the one that supplied all the video evidence for me to study, like 40,000 clips. I went through all his clips and that gave me, um, you know, the ability to study the, the players at the top level and just watch the way they move to the ball, the way they set up, how they contact the ball. And, and then also I can, you know, when I work with my clients, I can show them the top players doing these different moves. So it's a really good resource for me and I can get them to learn the look from these videos. So I think that was a huge influence for me, being able to get onto a website and, and very, very methodically watch um, all the different players move and um, get a really good you know, grasp of, of, of how they move in the modern day. So yeah. I think that was a big thing for me. Right. Yeah. I mean, definitely a great resource at Johnny and I, I think, you know, many years ago as a uh, compiled that huge database of uh, pro strokes, pretty, pretty cool stuff. And so Dave, uh, you know, one fun question that I like to ask uh, some of the guests are, uh, what are three things that most of the world doesn't know about Dave Bailey? Well, I'm married. That's one thing I'm married. I've got two beautiful kids, uh, Ella and Jack. And, um, oh, well, I come from Sydney, which is a beautiful place for the world, S Sydney, Australia. Um, which I love living here. Um, it's a beautiful country and, you know, obviously a very, very strong tennis background coming from Australia. So, yeah, I'm an Australian. Fantastic. Yeah, I've had a lot of great uh, interviews with Aussies and always uh, enjoyed, uh, you know, you guys on the show and, and the summit as well. Um, so sweet. So uh, let's dive into uh, some of the fundamentals of, of footwork. So, uh, Dave, why is improving our footwork uh, critical if we want to reach the next level in our tennis games? Uh, look, it's, I, I think the thing is you've got to give footwork the respect that it deserves. And, and, and you know, a lot of people sort of say, oh, just let it happen naturally. But I think, you know, most people in general don't move their feet very well. And for them to have some sort of structure and to go out on the court and just really focus in on their feet is, is a really, really important thing for them to do. So I just really wanted to come up with a bit of a, a method, I suppose, where people could get some sort of structure to the way that they move their footwork, you know, the way they move their feet on the court and give them confidence by sort of them knowing sort of what works for them and, and what they like to do. That's fantastic, uh, Dave. And I mean, obviously, it seems like most of the players who are trying to improve, they're just focusing on their, like, I guess the technique of, of you know, their swing and things like that. And so why do you think that tennis footwork, uh, at least from what I've seen, uh, why is it uh, often underappreciated in favor of other aspects of, uh, of tennis? Well, you know, when I looked at all those um, video, you know, the John Yandel clips, I think, you know, it's very complex. There's a lot of complexity to footwork. So, you know, there's different out steps, there's different ways to move to the ball. And, and I also find because there's not a language in the game, because I, I think I believe I'm one of the very first to actually name all the steps to the ball and all the moves and all the recovery steps. Um, I just find because there hasn't been a language, it's actually quite difficult to teach. 
because I'm a big fan of shadow tennis, you know, practicing the movements without the ball. And if you don't have these cue words to call out, it can become very um, confusing, you know. So I think having, you know, a set language and being able to call out all these different cue words is really important. So you need to take that time to sit down and be willing to, to name all the different moves to the ball, all the different steps to make footwork easy to teach. So the fact that it is complex, it really does need a language and you need to make that be disciplined enough to, to name everything. Otherwise, it, it's very, very difficult to teach. Yeah, it definitely is, uh, Dave. And so, I mean, why do so many players develop inefficient footwork mechanics? I mean, do you think it's because they were taught incorrectly or it's just, you know, not natural or, you know, the movements that are proper in tennis? Or what, what's your take on, on why players have, uh, you know, inefficient footwork? I think you know, one of the things that I do is I, I just like to feed a ball to someone and see what they do naturally. So obviously you've got to do what comes naturally to them. But what I found doing that is that you might feed exactly the same ball to someone and they might move to it four different ways. So I think you know, it's all about, you know, knowing what works for you and experimenting and sort of rejecting and absorbing all these sort of things. And I think, you know, knowing if you get a certain ball, how to move to that ball and how that works for you is really important. So I think, you know, having different moves and practicing the different ball takes away a little bit of confusion on what they want to do. So if you know when to move back on a deep ball on what works for you, that gives you a lot more power instead of just guessing and trying to make it up at the last minute. So I think there's, you know, that, that's the really important thing that I find, you know, that's, and the other thing is too, like I said, You've got to do what works for them. So sometimes I don't even call myself like a footwork trainer. I, I like to call myself more of a footwork choreographer because you've also got to do what works for that individual player. And I've just finished like doing a frequency study of all the top players, the top 10 players. And what I did find was every play is very, very different. They use different moves on different balls and ones that works for them. So Nadal is going to move and, and use a lot of different moves to say a, a Roger Federer. So I think that that's another really important thing is to sort of find out what works for you and what you feel comfortable with because if when you feel comfortable with it you're gonna you're gonna use it a lot. Yeah, it's a very interesting point, uh, Dave. And I mean, uh, regarding that, do you think uh, are there parallels in in I guess like uh, the way certain people are are taught the footwork properly? Like I guess for example, like do shorter players like Nadal or grinders like have a certain type of uh, footwork that uh, technique that is uh, preferable to them versus somebody who's like tall and hits with a lot of power or something like that. Have you found parallels when analyzing, you know, different players? Yeah. And I, I found, I find that's true for sure. Like tall players sort of have to move differently to, to um, shorter players, but I also think their swing lines are really important, you know, and of course, sort of what they're trying to do with their with their game style. What is their way of play? So, you know, some people, you know, they're shorter, they're faster, so they're going to be more of a defensive play and they're going to work more on that. There's going to be players that are taller and 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 don't move that well. So they try and need to need to get to the net and try and keep the um the points shorter. I think also where they grow up is a huge huge influence. So if you know the Spanish are, are taught a lot differently to an Australian um, the court surfaces are really important on, on, you know, so over in Australia, for instance, where I sell them from Australia, we have a lot of these synthetic grass courts. We don't have any clay, very many clay courts. So I think also where you grow up has a huge influence on, you know, how your way of play, I like to call it. 
but but definitely you know the athleticism is huge and, and you're going to have some people that really rely on their footwork like of course Leighton Hewitt the, the world famous Australian player I mean his best stroke was really his footwork and you know he was famous for his footwork more than his backhand or his forehand he became number one in the world but he was number one in the world because he was the greatest mover so I think you know certain players also from a mental point of view um, you know, are mentally really strong and they love to chase the balls and other players, you know, just want to keep the points nice and short. So there's a lot, a lot of, you know, variations on, on you know, what footwork you're going to use um, just to answer that question. Yeah, and no, I appreciate that answer, Dave. And so, I mean, before we dive into the Bailey Tennis Footwork Method, which I'm, you know, definitely excited and interested to do, what are a few of the biggest mistakes that you see amateurs make with their footwork? Yeah, I, I think I think probably the, the the biggest thing is they they don't actually you know put the effort in to because I mean one of my, I want to say this at the end probably at the end but one of my favorite you know sayings is it's 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 called called foot you know work for a reason not foot walk so I think you know the amateurs they really have to you know, there's a, a a huge element of fitness as well to take all those little steps and to to um you know really get behind the ball so I think it's just they're not putting the effort in. If there was one word, it's energy. And, uh, you know, you've got to really have the energy up high to move well. And so I think that's a big thing. You know, they try and conserve their energy. They don't split their step. They don't uh, put a lot of effort into the recovery. So, you know, the energy is a huge thing. And I think for the, for the, for the amateur, it's just you've got to really put the effort into your footwork for it to be good. Yeah, definitely a great point. I mean, if you don't uh, put the effort in, then you won't get to the ball. Um, so now let's let's really dive into uh, uh, the Bailey Tennis Footwork Method. Can you kind of just outline for the audience exactly what that is? Yeah, I, look, it, it's it's really look, it's a set language, really. Like I said before, so you know, it, it's really. But the biggest thing is really, um, you know, I think. I mean, I was a physical trainer for many, many years in the tennis side of things, and I, and I love all the stuff, you know, the line, the line drills, the, the weaving in and out of the cones. But the most best way to really improve your footwork is you have to get on the ball. Ha- sorry, you have to go onto the court hitting tennis balls. So that's really what the, you know, Bailey. That's what the Bailey method is. It's really going onto the court and thinking about your footwork hitting tennis balls. But another big thing, it's really based around this set language and, and shadow tennis and learning the footwork through shadow, which is, you know, not hitting the ball first and then progressing the ball in slowly through a couple of different methods. So you can progress to the to, to the live ball and then hopefully to the to the match play where all these different footwork patterns and contact moves are happening, happening naturally. That's great stuff, Dave. And so what are the basic tenets of the Bailey Tennis Footwork Method? I mean, I, I saw, obviously, I read into it and it looks you know, very, very good stuff. And I, I saw there's, you know, the five R's and everything. So could you kind of talk about the basic, uh, you know, tenets of it? Yeah, I, I think, look, there's, um, I think the, the first thing is really just going through the shadow tennis first. So, you know, learning, learning that the footwork without hitting a ball is really important. And then, you know, moving, I suppose, onto, you know, just dropping the ball to yourself so you can get the footwork, you can get the feet into position, slowing it right down, the next thing would be, you know, just doing with a thrown ball, which is a huge Spanish thing, is just working on the footwork where you throw the ball to them and then eventually, you know, move on to the fed ball and, and, and the live ball. But the big thing is not to try and get to the, the fed ball too quickly. You've really got to understand what you're trying to do and slow it right down through the shadow, through the drop feeds, through the thrown ball. So it's a really nice progression in you actually understanding what you're trying to do. 
Um, in relation to the five R's, that was just something that, which um, that is just something that I really feel is so important to to move well on the court. And I'll, I'll explain what they are. Um, the five R's. The first one, sort of getting ready, and so that's sort of how you get up on your toes and how you split your step. The next R is reacting. So sorry, the next R is reading. So you've got to read a certain ball that's approaching. Uh, then you have to react to that ball. So that's is how you how you're going to react to that ball. How you're going to use your steps out to the ball. How you're going to set your feet up into what I call the hitting stance. Then you respond. That's the next R. So that's the fourth R. So you respond with a what I call a contact move and a balance move. And then the last R is recover. And when you put those five R's together, so it's you know it's getting ready, it's reading, it's reacting, it's responding, it's recovering. I call that completing the circle, and you do that every single time on every single ball that comes. So that's what it's really based on. And when you look at someone, you want to see where their weaknesses are in those five R's. Some they might be doing naturally well; others they need a lot of work on. Yeah, and no, I really like the breakdown of of really how you know the movement process works. And uh, in in looking at uh, I guess mostly amateur players. Um, which one of the five R's do you think uh, players are, are most commonly de- uh, deficient in? Well, I think probably the recovery. I think the recovery, but it's, you know, like I said, I think you just got to work individually on, on each player because some people, you know, they, they don't split their steps, so they're not really getting ready, so therefore they're slow to the ball. You know, some other people, they mightn't respond with the right move, so they need to work on that. But I would probably say in general, most people sort of stand and watch. So I would say the recovery is probably the uh, the biggest thing. And, and then trying to recover to the op- optimum position on the court so you're ready for the next, you know, the ideal recovery position and being aware of where to position yourself geometrically on the court. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand that very well. And when you understand that, it makes a big difference to, you know, how many steps you need to take to the next ball. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, I think I was reading in my uh, training, uh, the TPT training, that I mean, even like point one of a second or something is going to make a, a you know a huge difference in uh, you know how well you are set up for the ball and things like that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, footwork and 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 movement and things like that uh, is are extremely extremely important in the game. Um, and so I also uh, saw um, some uh, literature about like contact and balance moves. And I was just wondering, I was yep. curious about those, if you could talk about them. Okay, so the, the contact move is the move that you make contact when you, so that's, this is the responding part. So when you get into your position, you set up your hitting stance and then you respond with what I call a contact move. So that's the move that you make when you contact the ball. And in my research, um, I've just been able to develop this encyclopedia of modern tennis. And my research is there's actually 95 different contact moves that I've been able to capture um, evidence of. Wow. That includes, you know, approach shots and volleys and smashes and returner serves and even the footwork for the serve. But I like to teach these 12 golden contact moves. These are the 12 moves that you need to master first before you move on to those, obviously, those other 95 and i'm not saying everyone's going to use those 95 it's just that if i do a frequency study of a match i need to have a name for every single move that's been happening so i can get you know um really accurate data and sort of of saying well that's close to that well you know i I really want to label every single move that they do so so the contact move is the move that you make when you contact them contact the ball 
And yet, like I said, you've got these 12 golden, but sometimes, you know, you, you for instance, you'll do a step down, but you'll drop your back knee on a lower ball, and then on a higher ball, you'll kick your leg to the side fence. So the, the balance move is really what you do with the back leg, and it's so, so crucial. I mean, if there's one tip to your listeners that I'd say to the coaches listening is really give respect to the, the, the non-dominant leg because it is what's going to give you balance and it is what sort of defines that move. So, you know, the contact move, every contact move has its own relevant balance move be it a front kick or a side kick or a, a kick back, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really what the contact move is. It's the move that you make when you contact the ball and, and the balance move is how you use your back leg to keep yourself balanced. And as we know, tennis, look, I talk about footwork all the time, but tennis is all, all, always really about balance. And, and you know, if you can hit with great alignment like a Djokovic, if you're nice and straight, um, if you keep your balance, you've got a really good chance of, of hitting the ball really successfully. And I really believe that, you know, if you fix someone's balance, you a lot of the time you'll fix their swing. So, you know, having a look at someone's balance is crucial in in them hitting a really good shot. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, fantastic points, Dave. Uh, actually, it's funny because I guess the other day uh, my partner and I uh, lost to a very good doubles pair in the 5-0 league, and we, uh, we were just commenting on how well and how how seemingly effortless the, the one of the players was, and, and and you know, we remarked that he was always balance and in control and things like that and also yeah. regarding balance like obviously like you know when you when you recover you know the more balanced you are the better you can get to the next ball and you even see the importance of the non-dominant like hand and volleys to like counterbalance when you hit the ball so yes. yeah it's just uh, extremely important like you said um yeah but uh yeah you know you mentioned uh you know there's many like i think you said 95 moves and things like that uh you know for somebody listening they might get a little overwhelmed and say oh wow yes. you know there's a lot of moves yeah, but what you know yeah but what is your you know what's your advice to these these people well i think yeah like i said i think that like i said those 12 you know golden moves so it, my advice would be you know there's there's only really six athletic skills, you know, so I'll talk, I'll talk about those 95 moves, but there's only six athletic skills. So if you can, you know, really work physically on, on pivoting and hopping and, and, and spinning your hips and, and transferring and shifting and lunging, they're the athletic skills that make you move really well on the court. So, um, and it's kind of working out which of those athletic skills really suit you, but you know, to me, it's, it's it's trying to work on those athletic skills, and all those contact moves will start to to come together for you. So, I, and 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 again, I think it's you know, if you wanted to know the most common um, contact moves, because like you, like I said, I've done some frequency studies. Um, you know, the closed backhand is really really common. So, getting behind the ball and, and hitting a semi-closed backhand is probably the most common backhand that's hit. And and on the forehand, that's hitting off that open stance sort of hopping to the side, what I call a lateral hop. So, you know, even if you just try to work on those two moves, the closed backhand and the lateral hop, they're the two most common moves. So if you can master them, you, 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 that's a good start. That's a good start. Yeah, great stuff, Dave. Yeah, it's kind of the 80-20 principle. Just get the most important ones and you'll improve a lot. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And so, gosh, this question I'm going to ask, I, I bet you know, the answer is, is going to be, it depends, but let's say, uh, can you walk us through like maybe a typical training session? Like, I guess you could pick, you know, like a four or four or five player and kind of what you would kind of make them go through if, if you were teaching yep. them live. 
Yeah, I, I think the most the most important thing is you know not to show them you know go watch my DVD and you know come out and do your front foot hops and do your. Tra- I no, I I'd rather them just look. I'm just going to feed you a whole bunch of different balls and um, I'm going to see what you do naturally. I think that's really important instead of trying to get something into their head of, you know, they want to do what 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 I want them to see. So I, the first thing is I just feed the balls, but a whole bunch of different balls. I think the big thing for me is that there's so many different approaching balls coming at you when you play tennis. So, you know, I'll push some balls, see how they move back. I'll say, can you run around and hit this one? Can you try and step in? Okay, try and hit this off your outside foot. So I think the first thing is just to see what they do naturally. And and when I talked about those five R's before, I'll try to then try to focus in on which R I see is glaringly weak. You know, like, are they splitting their step or are they not really recovering that well? And sometimes just focus on one or two R's because some of the other R's are happening you know, really naturally. Um, with adults, I kind of find they're a lot more grounded. You know, they don't tend to come off the ground like all the young kids that I teach because, uh, so I think, you know, trying to get them to do more sort of grounded like pivots uh, are really in, in, in for, import, important to me. So I think, you know, getting them to do some pivots. And then obviously um, I think taking them through some shadow tennis, when I see the things that they need to work on, I will just get down in front of them and say, okay, can you follow me? This is what I think you need to work on. So they can get a very good visual picture. Um, getting in front of them and showing them what I want them to do and getting them to follow me um, is very, very important so they actually get it. And then also, once they've got that shadow, they can do it time and time, and if they've got it correct, they can do it time and time and time again, and then I'll throw the ball in. So, you know, they might do four or five shadows, and then I'll throw the ball in. They kind of just will do it because they've just done it four or five times without the ball. So that's the sort of typical thing that I'll look at with an adult is just, you know, just trying to find out what works for them. But And, again, just depending on their level, how much information that you give them, that's really important, not trying to give them too much information. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, Dave, I love that point about, uh, you know, not giving too much information. And also, uh, as you mentioned a couple of times, the progressions, because, I mean, if you kind of take it too fast and you go straight to, yeah. to live ball, I mean, you won't be able to implement. I mean, a lot, a lot of times, especially for players who have been playing for a while, you have to start with, you know, I guess shadowing, like you said, and then, uh, yeah, just go from there. So uh, really great yeah. point there. And so, I mean, how long does it normally take uh, for students on the Bailey Tennis Footwork Method to, to see improvements? I mean, is this like a long-term thing? Or, I mean, do you sometimes see like immediate improvement or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everyone's different. You know, sometimes, you know, there's all these different levels that I try and get them to move through, you know, so, and and some of them, you know, will pick it up really quickly. Others, so there's, there's no sort of no really answer. Sometimes you'll have a really talented kid and you'll get through lots and lots of moves in one lesson. Other times, you know, you'll be just struggling to get them to even, uh, you know, to do a simple step down with a split step. So, I think, you know, but the one thing that comes from just going on the court and thinking about your footwork is confidence, because if you know that you've been working just on your footwork, it's going to give you confidence to go out and and when you start playing matches. So I think that's the big thing is that, you know, when they come to my lesson, they're only focusing mainly on their footwork. And sometimes, you know, their swings might go out the window and they mightn't hit it that well because, uh, you know, they're not thinking about their swings too much and they're not getting their racket back. But I think, you know, the, the thing is, is just repetition is the mother of skill and, and getting them to just do their footwork and, and, and think about their footwork 
uh, is, is really, really good for them to then take that on, on out onto the court. Yeah, great stuff, Dave. And so um, as far as, you know, training footwork, I mean, do you use any sort of, uh, you know, training equipment? Because uh, I know obviously like a lot of this doesn't require equipment, but do you use any training equipment uh, as well to help help players improve their footwork? Yeah, I use a lot of reference equipment, meaning things that they I can sort of sometimes put down on the ground. So like arrows, so their, their toes are pointing in the right direction. Dots from a safety point of view, you'll put down these dots so everyone's spread out. They've all got their own point of reference to come back to. It's absolutely chaos if you just say, okay, everyone go out there and find a spot. And then, you know, also putting the left-handers in the right spot, like up up to the front of the group and, and, and off to the correct side. So when they run around, they don't run into the other right-handers, but also you don't have right-handers in front of them, so they get confused about what to do. And, and you can get to that left-hand players because obviously, you know, left-handers are going to move differently to, to, to right-handers. So um, another thing that I really like is, um, you know, I like to use arrows, of, I mean, ladders, of course. Ladders are really fantastic, but... Probably the thing that I've found over the years, the best thing as a reference point is just a square. So I get the ladders and just cut a square out of um, out of each ladder so they've got their own square. Because sometimes when you get onto slippery, slippery surfaces, um, you know, they can get a bit of clay on the, on, on the dots and the arrows and they start slipping. So I have found just using a square, I can do all those, you know, 12 golden moves um, fantastically well. So... Um, and, you know, I use other off-court equipment. So I love hills. I love stairs. I love ramps. I love sand. Um, I love using the resistance equipment. And, and medicine balls are absolutely fantastic. So, you know, people might do a, you know, a chest pass or a throw in with a med ball. But it's so much better to throw a medicine ball with one of the moves because it's more specific. So I think medicine balls, like a light medicine ball, is fantastic for um, players to work on their footwork and to either throw it against a wall or throw it over a net. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, I definitely agree. I love medicine balls too because, I mean, biomechanically as well, they kind of like force you to really <laughs> do what, what what you need to do with your body. Otherwise, the ball's not yeah. going to really go that far. Um, so that's fantastic. And I, yeah. And I find with medicine balls as well, you know, if you lift up, say you're throwing to a part and you want to land it on their chest, if they're catching it above their head, then you're lifting up with your legs. So I think when you release the medicine ball, you also can get a really good feel of whether they're doing it correctly because – when you throw the medicine ball and someone's catching it, well, are they throwing it onto their chest or are they throwing it 10 metres to the side? So I think the medicine ball also, you know, really works on your release point and your understanding of the contact point. So that's what I love about medicine balls. They're fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so as far as uh, the jump rope, I mean, I've heard uh, actually many uh, coaches who I've had on the podcast or on the summit, they mentioned uh, the importance of the jump rope. I mean, do you have your players do a lot of, uh, you know, jump roping? Well, yeah, but you know what? I, I, I think it's a fantastic warm-up because you've got to remember, I think the thing about the pro players especially is they're traveling all the time. They've got big bags, heaps of um, stuff that they've got to take with them. So the great thing about the jump rope is you can just, you know, you can take it anywhere. It's very light. You can you can warm up with it anywhere. And, and, you know, and as you know, I mean, obviously the most famous people that use jump ropes are boxes and, you know, their footwork's a little bit different to them, to, to tennis players, because they get smacked in the mouth. You know, they don't have great footwork. So, um, you know, I think skipping rope's fantastic. It, look, it's, it gets you really strong in the calves. It gives you good rhythm. It makes you light on your feet. So I, lo I love them. I, I, I think they're fantastic. Skipping skipping's a great thing for, for tennis players. 
Great stuff, Dave. And so if, if someone were to go to you and say, hey, Dave, uh, you know, what's the key to eliminating, you know, bad footwork patterns and developing efficient ones? Uh, what would you tell them? You know, watch the pros. You know, go, go and watch the pros. What, what, go to John Yandel's site and, 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 and watch the – because if you can get onto somewhere where you can slow it down and you can watch – because the thing that you will find about footwork, I know a lot of people say you've got to take a lot of little steps, but there's only certain balls you want to take a lot of, lot of little steps. So when you watch the pros, and especially if you understand the contact moves, you will never watch tennis the same because I think having a language is fantastic because you can say, oh, wow, look at that power move. What a front foot hop. What an amazing reverse spin. So I think watching the pros and watching their footwork and how wide they split and, and where their leg kicks and just watch the individual player. Don't watch the match. Just watch one player and just watch how they move, especially if that player is sort of like you. You know how you mentioned before, you've got the tall players, you've got the short players, you've got the you know the you know, the net approaches, you've got the, the, the baseliners, you've got the big forehand players. So I mean, just watch their feet. I mean, that's the best advice I can get, give you is just go and watch the pros and see, oh, wow, that ball, they take big steps. That little ball, they take little steps. You know, this one here, they hit off their back leg. Or that one there, they, they hopped on their front leg. And you can learn so much by just watching um, the pros. But, you know, you've got to take your time. And, and it's better to, I think, get a DVD that you can slow down and, and manipulate with your computer. Yeah, for sure. And I think one other, you know, great tool uh, is you can go on YouTube and then actually change the speed of the video um, yes. to 0.25 or 50. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a pretty cool trick, too. Um, sweet. So and, and so, again, you know, going back to kind of like fitness and things like that, are there any mus- uh, muscles that are, you know, routinely undertrained or ignored, which can contribute to bad footwork? Well, I think that, you know, the glutes, you know, the, the big muscles at the back of your leg are so important for power and speed. So I think that's something that you've got to really, you know, focus on is getting them really strong and powerful. But, you know, I think, yes, we can talk about all these muscles and you've got to be really strong and you work on all that. But, you know, anticipation is huge for moving. So, you know, you know, if you can position yourself and you can chart someone and you can start to flow and shift out to the ball, you know, not 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 like a reaction split step, but you can w- do what I call an anticipationary split step, where you're flowing and shifting out to the ball is so important. Um, you know, so so flowing around the court is is what makes you fast as well. So you can do all this sort of, you know, and I think knowing what move that you like to do also gives you confidence to move to the ball. So if the ball comes deep and you know that you like to hit a backward hop on that, I think that's really important. So. Obviously, all that sort of strengthening is so important for, you know, um, strengthening the muscles is so important for you to be strong and injury free. But I think technique is really, really important for great movement as well. So I think really working on your technique is a really important thing to move well on the court. Yeah, for sure, Dave. I think it definitely all comes together. And like you said, um, uh, you have to kind of train properly to eventually convert the uh, strength into to power so you can uh, be explosive as well. But yeah, technique is, is super key. Um, and so, so let's say, again, say if a player comes to you um, and says, hey, Dave, I need you to help me with my footwork. Well, generally, what is the first thing that you have that new uh, athlete of yours uh, do? Well, like I said, I think that's—I think I said it before, but I think the first thing is just to see what they do naturally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I yeah, and, and then just you know, not try and, and give them too many things. Like, there's going to be some things they do better than others, 
So I think, you know, just to see what they do naturally is really important because, you know, when you start changing, I mean, this is why I love working with eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds, you know, because they're so free and they've got so much incredible energy. And then when you start to get to the teenagers sort of thing, they get a bit more stubborn. And then then suddenly you go to the adults and they're really keen because they get, you know, they get oh, how important the footwork is. So, but I think the big thing is just to see what they do naturally. I think that's really important. And then just try and give them one or two triggers that really help them. I think the biggest thing for footwork is to try and find those one or two teaching points that they can think about that really helps them achieve the best result. So I think that's a big thing too, is trying to find that trigger. Is it to drop the knee? Is it to you know stop over-rotating? Is, is it to keep the weight a little bit more on the outside leg? I think that's a big thing too. So when they're hitting that move, they're only thinking about one or two things. That's what I love about the shadow. In the shadow, they can they can slow it right down. You can go step out, step forward, step back, spin the hip cross in front in the shadow. But when you're doing a live ball, they just need one or two triggers that's going to help them that they can think about that's going to give them the best result on that shot. Great stuff, Dave. And so our audience obviously loves drills, and you kind of have mentioned you know, it's, it's some of them and, and things like that. But I guess specifically, and this is tough because I know there's probably 20 million drills out there, but what's one drill that tennis players can do right now that will, will help them improve their uh, footwork if you could try to describe it? Well, I don't think there's anything better than just hitting against a wall, mm-hmm. to be honest, because I think hitting against the wall, you're not going to be able to do all the moves. So, you know, if you go do a front foot hop, which is a really aggressive forward movement and hit it against so what's going to come back at you so fast you won't be able to hit the next one. So I think but to, to work on your rally, I think, you know, like what I call two foot pivots and one foot, I, you can't go past the wall because it always comes back. It's great for your fitness because it goes on and on and on and on. It teaches you to keep your, your, your back swings a lot more com- compact. So I really think hitting against a wall is fantastic. And then well, my number two would probably be the medicine ball. Like I, I said before, I just, I, I really think, you know, throwing a medicine ball, but throw the medicine ball with all the different, you know, contact moves and, you know, throw it over a net against someone You can play a competitive thing. Um, I, I think that's another really fantastic thing because like you said, it's got a bit of strength. You have to, The ball doesn't bounce very much. Um, yeah, a, a medicine ball is a great tool. It really is. So I think a medicine ball and hit against the wall, that I think those two. And of course, of course, shadow tennis. You can't go past shadow tennis. But, you know, you've got to make sure you're shadowing it the right way because, you know, you don't want to be shadowing it the wrong way. So that's where you've got to do a bit of study and study these pro players and make sure that if you're going to do your shadow, you're practicing the right mechanics. So, you, you know, you know, if they say practice makes perfect, it's really perfect practice makes perfect. So you don't want to do the shadow and practice the wrong thing. Yeah, for so, sure. For sure. Um, that's fantastic, uh, advice, Dave, really appreciate that. And, and so, oh, also with a medicine ball, I'm actually, uh, in the market for one. And I was, I wanted to ask you too, uh, what, what weight would you kind of, I mean, I, I know obviously it depends on the person, but what type of weight should the, should we get for a medicine ball kind of in relation to, you know, ourselves and how much we can handle? Uh, well, I only reckon one kilo, honestly, that's it. That bounces really nicely. Hmm. So. I mean, I think if you're going to do some more strengthening stuff, you can go heavy, but I wouldn't be throwing moves. I wouldn't be doing the, you know, the actual contact move with anything more than a one kilo ball, even the pro players. Because I think the big thing is that it bounces quite high and you don't want to be throwing a medicine ball that doesn't bounce and someone has to pick it up and they'll, they'll hurt their back. So you want to get a one kilo. That's fine. Absolutely. Because when you get pushed out wider, obviously certain moves where you're coming forward, you can go a bit heavier. 
But when you're getting pushed out and hitting off open stances or you're hitting off a back foot stance, I think it's much, it's, it's better. And I think you can also manipulate your hands a little bit better. So you still want to be sort of putting top spin on the ball. And I think with the medicine ball, you still want to be doing your swing mechanics. You know, and if it's too heavy, you won't be finishing with your elbow up and palm away, things like that. You haven't, you, so you still want to swing like you would normally with your racket. And I think when it gets too heavy, you, you know, you got to be careful, um, you know, throwing a medicine ball, not in the way that you stroke the ball. So, yeah. So I think a one kilo that bounces is, is the best. Yeah, no, that's really helpful, Dave, because I know a lot of people want to try and go as heavy as they can or whatnot. But, I mean, you know, this principle of specificity, which is, uh, you know, the sport of tennis is, uh, you know, throwing, in a sense, the racket, you know, a very relatively light weight uh, at a very high speed. So that's why, like, the one kilo should be all that we need. Absolutely. Um, Yes. And it's, it's, it's more about the footwork. You know, it's more about just, right. you know, moving the feet to more than, you know, um, yes, of course you want to get a bit of a core workout and a bit of an upper body thing. But, um, yeah, I think if you're, gonna, if you're doing the footwork, I think one kilo is better if you're working on your footwork. Yeah. Perfect stuff. And so we've talked about um, technique, which obviously is paramount before you try to, like, go super fast. But uh, in regards to foot speed, I mean, how, how can we imp- uh, improve our foot speed and footwork intensity? Well, I think ladders are great, you know, but but I think you got to do the you know the ladders with the racket in hand, and I, I'm not a big fan of long ladders. Um, I, because I mean, yes, long ladders if you just one one person, but most of the people listening to me will probably have a, a group, and if you can just have you know four squares, then everyone's got their own ladder. So I've got about twenty, thirty ladders that I cut up into four squares, so everyone's got their own ladder because. I love ladders, but, you know, if, if you knock the ladder over, you're doing a long run and you're doing a whole group running through the ladder and you knock it over, then, you know, you get embarrassed and it stuffs up the, you know, the rest of the, the group. So having your own individual ladder and then, you know, in that ladder, you can do your fast feet. In that ladder, you can do more plyometric stuff, you know, hopping and, and bounding in and out of that ladder. You can put a split step at the end of each one, which I love, just more split steps, the better. But also you can use those four squares. You know, I talked about those golden 12. I've been able to choreograph all the golden 12 contact moves using the the ladder. And, you know, having a reference point, so where you put your foot, so where you can hop, where you can set up your stance and land with your foot in that square, ladders are fantastic. They're just fantastic. And I I, I sometimes even do a whole class, you know, like what I call like an intensity class or, a uh, you know, um, you know, a tennis blast class. And it's all just using a ladder. Put music on and you can do a whole class, just like a step class, but you use a little ladder. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you don't necessarily need, like, a huge ladder, like you said, because, I mean, we're not moving, you know, uh, 100 yards yeah. in the court. It's just uh, very short bursts, uh, you know, and relatively small distances in comparison with other sports. Um, so... Beautiful stuff. And um, what ki- what kind of mistakes do players make in their training that actually slows them down uh, instead of making them quicker on the court? Because obviously a lot of us want to get more fit and stuff, but sometimes we're not really training, again, you know, specific to the sport. So what mistakes do you see in that regard? Well, I mean, I know, you know, probably one of the greatest movers in history was Michael Chang. Mm. You know, and, and he, one of the things, I read an interview on him once, and one of his biggest regrets that he said was that he spent way too much time lifting really heavy weights. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, you know, I think one of the big mistakes is, I mean, not, not to say that you don't do some, but I, not to get too obsessed with those big heavy weights, you know, the big power lifts and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I just think, 
you know, like I said, the technique is really important of flowing and, 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 and anticipating and all that sort of stuff. And I think the more that you can get on the court and really focus in on your footwork than getting in and lifting really heavy weights, I think it's better. And I, man, I always look at the boxes. You know, the boxes, they, they, they do a lot of circuit work. They do a little high-intensity, fast sort of stuff, but they don't tend to do a lot of heavy stuff because I believe that possibly, I don't want to you know, say it's, it's, it's fact, but that could possibly slow you down when you're pushing too many heavy weights. And, and you know, the other thing is, too, you've got to be careful because that takes a lot of technique and you need to be properly supervised if you're going to do those really heavy lifts. And so a lot of people, you know, when you're going to do it, make sure you're properly supervised on that stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, especially, like, if you're trying to do those Olympic lifts, like the power clean and stuff, I mean, that's really – it's sometimes very risky and not even worth it. Uh, yeah. You know, if you don't know the technique, the return on investment isn't really worth it. But, yeah, no. I, again, agreed, you know, like, you got to train really the right way, I mean, because – you know, you can, you can train with like, you know, moderately high weights or even heavyweights, but eventually in order to perform at your peak, you need to convert that again into like power, uh, you know, very yeah. fast movement. So, uh, you just got to really train the right way. And, and yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's a reaction sport, isn't it? It's a reaction sport. So I love stuff where you're reacting. I mean, I just, you know, Z balls that bounce off in different directions and, and, you know, dropping balls and throwing balls and, Anything that's unpredictable where you have to react, like you said, over a very short distance is fantastic for tennis. And, you know, we do a lot of predictable stuff. We've got to do a lot of unpredictable stuff as well. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, and so the mental, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you're using your mind too when you're uh, training your footwork and things like that. I'm just curious about, uh, you know, to ask you, what role does the mind play in whether a player has uh, efficient or inefficient footwork. I mean, just want to kind of dive into like the, the mind of, of how we should be, uh, you know, mentally set out when we want to have good footwork. Well, I mean, the great movers love to chase the ball. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, you, you look at Nadal, and one thing that I love about Nadal is that whenever he chases a ball, he'll swing at it, even though he's 10 feet away, he'll have a swing at it. You know, so when you see people getting up on the ball, um, that's one of the best signs that you can see that, that uh, you know, that person is, is not a great mover. So I think, you know, you wanting to chase every ball and a actually being upset when you don't get to the ball, you know, like um, I think that's that's really, really key. So you, you, if you love to run and you love to chase, that's a, you know, look at Leighton Hewitt, he'll just chase, and he doesn't like it when he doesn't get to the ball. So I think, you know, having that mindset of that no ball's going to get past you is huge, you know, and um, – and sometimes you can run a ball down and not even get it back, but still scare the hell out of your opponent. You know, wow, how how did they get to that ball? You know, even though they didn't win the point. So I think, you know, that mindset of just, you know, not letting a ball get past you is, is, is so important. And also, like I said before, knowing what move you like to do on on um, a certain ball, I think that gives you confidence. Like if you know what move you like to do on an approach shot, then you will go after that ball and you attack that ball with your feet. If you're not quite sure how to move to it, then you hesitate. So I think, you know, that's so the mental side by doing the footwork training gives you the confidence that you're going to move well on the court. So it is very mental moving well. And, and, and I think, you know, focusing on your on your movement also really helps relieve nerves because that's the first thing that goes when you get nervous. You get tight. You can't move. You get very uptight. So, you know, you want to be down and relaxed. So I think that's the other thing. Just trying to be relaxed is key, is key as well. Just trying to be relaxed. Yeah, for sure. And that's a great segue into also kind of visualization, which I wanted to ask you. I mean, do you do you use visualization to help 
uh, your athletes' uh, footwork, and, and if so, how do you, do you implement that? Well, I think every time you shadow, you're using visualization. You know, every time you shadow, but it's more, it's more. I mean, I, I much prefer you know active visualization than passive visualization, if that makes sense. You know, um, I, I think them getting out there and shadowing and and even before a match, I love doing some shadow tennis where you're actually visualizing yourself constructing the point. You know, you're visualizing that ball coming to you. You're visualizing what part of the court you're hitting to. You're visualizing it going past your opponent and even, you know, maybe even pumping your fist at the end. You know, so, I mean, I was lucky enough to work with um, Monica Sellers, you know, for 10 days at her house. And my God, you should have seen her shadow tennis. You should have seen her eyes. You, should, all right, it was, you could see that she was looking at an opponent. And she'd finish her little split step, but she wouldn't split step. She'd do all these little steps, and she'd nearly walk down the court staring down at the opponent. It was just unbelievable. So, you know, that is the best visualization I've ever seen anyone ever do. And she was one of the greatest of all time. And I think Nadal, too, is always out there really visualizing what he's going to do when he goes onto the court. Have a look at him shadow before he goes out onto the court as part of his warm-up, you know. Uh, so, yeah, very, very important to get in the right state. But you don't want to be too over-anxious, you know. You've you, you just got to find that nice thing that works for you. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point there because I was actually going to ask you, I mean, like, as far as mindset, I mean, there's, like, a lot of players who are seemingly too passive with the with their footwork. I mean, what type mm. of mindset do you think – would it help for us to have an aggressive mindset or is it – could we take that too far? I mean, what's the proper like, yeah. mindset? Well, I think, you know, I, I, look, I think there's two types of players. If I just keep it fairly general, like I think there's flowers, you know, like a Federer. He flows and he needs to be relaxed. He needs to be very, very smooth. But then you've got like other players that um, need to activate their feet. Like Jimmy Connors famously took 25 steps before he hit one step down, you know, like he needs to activate his feet. He needs to be a grunter. So he needs to be grunting. He needs to be putting a lot of effort in. And, you know, you can't make Maria Sharapova a Roger Federer, you know, so uh, she needs to be really high, high, high energy. So I think you've got to work with the personality of the player. That's, that would be my answer, you know. I think you just got to see what sort of player they need to be. Are they someone that needs to take a lot of steps, otherwise they're a bit lazy, or are they someone who doesn't want to take too many steps because it throws their rhythm off? So um, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but, yeah, I just um, yeah, I just think you've got to understand the personality of the player and try and match their movement to that. Yeah, I think it's really helpful because, I mean, there's uh, I'm sure a lot of players who will look at Federer, and even though that's not – what they should be doing, you know, based on their personality and game, they'll try to just be super relaxed and then just, you know, you know, hit every ball out and, you know, just not yeah. have good results. So you really have to keep in mind what Dave said, uh, you know, everybody's different. So, um, that's great advice. And so, uh, one thing that I've even ex experienced myself sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes players get tight and then they end up not moving their feet. I mean, whether mm. that's nerves or whatnot. And so that obviously results in a very crappy performance on the court. So mm. what, what tips would you uh, give to help us with this kind of predicament? Well, I think I, I look, once you, once you know the moves, I, I really like to put the moves together. So, the end progression of, of doing the Bailey method is to put together your playbooks, you know, like, and that's around about neutralizing, um, building the point, take control, hurt, then finish. So I think if you've got some set playbooks, I mean, I know I'm, I'm not a, 
I'm Australian. I'm not. I'm not American, but I know that you guys love your playbooks in the, you know, in, in your American football. So I think you know having some playbooks and sort of some patterns of play, you know, your way of play, um, is 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 going to help you because you're going out and you're trying to implement how you want to play. I think this is where Nadal is so strong. He, his way of play, no one can counteract his way of play at the French Open. So everyone's having to change their way of play to try and beat him because. He dictates, you know, like you look at Nadal, he's more of the, you know, puppeteer and they're the puppet, if that makes sense. So I think, you know, you having some patterns of play that you trust and the more that you can implement that, it's you're focused more on that. Because I think the reason that people don't play well, you know, choking, there's only two reasons you choke. You're worried about the result or you're worried about what someone else is going to think about you. So the more that you can be present and the more that you can think about your playbooks and what moves that you want to do and just watching the ball, like Rod Laver said, what tip do you give you know, to, to any tennis player? He said, watch the ball. And what I mean by that is you watch the ball and you try and work out what move you want to do on that ball. And when you're in the present, I think that stops you from being uptight, you know, that, because you're just focused on the moment. And when you start to think outside of that, that's when you start to get you know, really uptight, I feel. So um, I think having your playbooks and, and focusing on moving your feet and what move you want to do on a certain ball, I think that will help you because, you know, what you said, being tight is probably nervous, you know, so you've got to do things that stop you from being being nervous. And, um, and, and, and you know, when you go out there and you're implementing your playbooks, that's, that shows that you're confident. Yeah, that's really fantastic uh, advice. Again, you know, uh, uh, focus on the process, not the results. So yes. um, great stuff, Dave. Um, and also, I just want to touch on flexibility a bit. Uh, what role does flexibility play in our footwork technique? Well, I think the great movers, you know, are also very flexible. I mean, you see you see Serena, she does the splits. You can see Kim Kleister, she does the splits. You see Djokovic, he virtually splits when he does that, you know, like sliding sort of fixed stance sort of manipulation that he does. Um so I think, you know, it really helps you get some impossible balls being flexible. So I think, you know, flexibility is really important. But, you know, you don't want to be so flexible that you're unstable. You know, some people are multi-jointed and they get injured all the time because they're nearly too flexible. So it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a tricky one there. I think you've just got to stretch within your limits and not try and overstretch. But certainly, um, you know, I think um, being flexible is, is, is really important to be able to reach the ball. But, of course, it's also really important to do your stretching to, to recover. Um so I think that's really cover from the match. I mean, you know, to 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 um try and get some rid of the lactic acid. So I think flexibility and stretching are, are both really important. Yeah, yeah, for sure, David. So what type of uh, warm up or cool down routines do you have your players uh, do after a, a footwork training session? Well, I, before they go on, I really think it's obviously you know I think it's really important they do some reaction work. I think it's really important they get their feet going really fast. I think it's really important they do some active um, stretching, sort of like, you know, really opening up their hips and, and, you know, a lot of butt kicks and high knees. So they're stretching the muscles. I don't particularly get them to do any passive stretching. Um, I do more active stretching. Obviously, they've got to warm up their shoulders. I mean, we're talking about footwork, but you still got to warm up your your shoulders. And sometimes I'd get them to warm up their core as well, doing a little bit of medicine ball. Um, so I think that's really important. And then, of course, your, your playbooks, your shadow tennis just before you go in. I think doing some bit of shadow is fantastic. I think it's the most specific thing you can do as a warm-up. And, and I actually don't even call it a warm-up. I call it theory. So if I've got a shot of the day, I will get them to do all the shadow tennis, and that is their theory 
of what they're going to do before they go and start hitting balls. So I quite like that word theory with the tennis, with a, you know, when you're doing your shadow. And then in relation to the, the cool down, um, look, I just think stretch bands. I like stretch bands are really nice because they can relax and put their music on. I think they've got to see stretching as, as, as something they want to do, not something that they have to do. So I think a lot of people stretch too far and it becomes uncomfortable, so they don't like to do it. So I think you've got to find a way to stretch so it's really relaxing. Um, I think release work is fantastic. So all that release work, this is, you know, after the match, I think you've got to release. And then obviously some hot and cold and some hydration is really important. So Great stuff. And so yeah. uh, by release, you mean like myofascial release, like with a yes. uh, yeah, stick or uh, I forgot with the, the stick name. And with, with the rollers. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's that's the latest sort of thing. I mean, obviously stretching as well. And I think you don't want to just do that. I think you need to stretch as well. I do. I, I think you need to stretch as well as doing the release. I think just releasing is, 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 is you know, I think because I think when you're stretching, you're relaxing as well. And, you know, sometimes some of that releasing can be quite painful. So I think you've got to be careful not to uh, do it so you're absolutely in agony and, 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 and you don't want to do it because you see it as a really painful thing. So sometimes I just use these massage machines that you can, you know, these electrical massage machines that you can control it yourself. I just really think it's really important that when you're doing that releasing that you maybe control it yourself because if you've got someone else doing it, sometimes they can go deep, go too deep and it becomes really painful. So, yeah, there's some things. Yeah, great stuff. And, uh, yeah, I remember, uh, I had Alistair McCall on the show. He's also, you know, a great uh, resource for fitness footwork. And he yeah. mentioned as well that, um, you know, like you said, we, we, a lot of players kind of have the perception that, oh man, like stretching is going to take like forever and stuff. I don't want to do it, but yeah. you know, you can just pick a, a few, like, I don't know, four to six or something even that will, mm. uh, you know, that will do the job. At least that's what, you know, Alistair said. So it, it's not really. Yeah like a huge ordeal, you know, and it's super important. I mean, it's made a huge mm. difference for me. I mean, playing a long match and then I, I've tested it basically by being lazy one day and then, uh, mm. you know, discipline the other. And, and when I've stretched, I've just felt so much better the next yeah. day along with also, uh, the, uh, the, the foam rolling too has made a huge mm. difference. So definitely this yeah. is great advice, uh, Dave. Well, I love those stretch bands. You know, you put this stretch band, you see them. I remember seeing them in the American basketball. You see these guys have got these stretch bands on. They wrap it around their foot, and they're sort of doing five or six different exercises on their back. Um, you know, I think they're fantastic because you're lying down. You don't have to get up, put your leg up on a bench, and then go back down, and then, you know, up, down, up, down. If you can work out a stretching routine where you can put on your rela relaxation music and just have the band and, and virtually, you know, do your breathing at the same time, um, and nearly like that, uh, you know, P and F stretching where you're releasing and then going a bit further and you're tightening. And I think that's fantastic also just mentally to, to cool down. So, um, yeah, it's something which simple that you look forward to. That's the key. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's, it's good stuff. And so uh, obviously, you know, not every player has the right idea about footwork principle so what's one myth that many tennis players believe about footwork that you'd like to dispel well i think the biggest thing is you know a lot of coaches probably the biggest thing is i oh, know i don't want to touch their footwork because i'll stuff them up you know like i just i want it i want it to happen naturally just let it happen naturally but you know uh, i think most people's footwork is naturally bad not naturally good so if i work with a really really top top player there's very, very few things that I'm going to do because they're so good. But that's what makes them so good is they move so beautifully. But most people's, you know, footwork is, na is, is, is it naturally bad. So it's not natural to split step, for instance. So 
you've got to force yourself to switch step. So, um, of course, you see it on the pro level. They've done it so many times that they've got that muscle memory and they're split stepping beautifully every time. But you've got to do that until it becomes part of your muscle memory. So, you know, I think, um, you know, you've got to give footwork the respect that it deserves. And a lot of people don't give it the respect by not giving it enough attention. So I think that's the biggest thing is that really respect that footwork is, is in a really huge part of the game. And it should be something where you go out and just think about your footwork for, a, for a, quite a big period of the time that you're, 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 um, you're training. So yeah. I think, you know, yeah, I think you just got to give it a lot more respect and, and, and really try and work on it a lot more than people do. You know, give it the same respect as you, as you serve, as you return, as you, as, you, as you swing lines, as your grips, you know, for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so important. I mean, you know, the the direction that you move to the ball and like where your feet are, I mean, make a huge difference between making a great shot and having balance and, and, and power versus just hitting a really, really bad shot. So yeah, it's just so, so important. I mean, you don't get to the ball and it's over. Um, so that's, that's great stuff. And so if you had to pick one player's footwork to emulate from the pro tour, or maybe you can pick two, uh, who would, who would it or they be? Well, I'm, I'm going to go against your question. Probably pick ten because yeah. I, I I like the Bruce Lee philosophy. You know, the reason Bruce Lee was so fantastic was he took what he liked from all the different, you know, from all the different um, martial arts. So I think for me, I would say Serena Williams two foot pivot, Roger Federer front foot hop. You know, Rafael Nadal Nadal backhand mogul. You know, um, Gonzalez reverse spin. You know, so I like to look at you know, certain players that do it, what I call a signature move to them. And there are some signature moves. I mean, look at Djokovic, how he slides out and just chops that ball off that fixed stance. You know, that's a signature move for him. So I look for signature moves. But if you had to say one play, of course, it's Roger. I mean, I don't think anyone's as smooth and as effortless as him. I mean, he's the master of, of movement just from the effortlessness. But still, you know, there's some shots that he can work on. Um, absolutely. But overall, he, he's just the most effortless, and that's it. He's just so effortless. I mean, he, and he gets such effortless power. So I, I'd have to say he's the greatest mover that I've ever seen, but I also loved Kim Clijsters. I thought she was fantastic as well. And I, thought, I, felt like, um, he, um, I felt like Hingis, I felt like she pioneered the game with the open backhand. I just felt her open backhand and her, her you know, they used to call her Miss Perfect Posture. I, I, I just loved her balance. I don't know about her footwork, but I just thought, her balance was, was just impeccable, Martina Hingis. Yeah, yeah, lo- a lovely player, and glad she's uh, back playing again, doubles at least. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, you, you mentioned this, the incredible experience with Celis, and, and maybe this, that's the answer, but which of the pros that you've worked with did you enjoy training the most and why? Well, probably my favorite was a girl called Yelena Dokic. Yes. Right, who, who ended up sort of had a terrible situation with her father, as everyone probably knows, but... I remember her at when she was 10, she would walk onto the court and she'd say, David, this is what we're doing today because in my matches, this is what happened. This was at 10. And I remember doing a, a reaction drill with this, you know, those, those reaction balls that bounce off in funny different directions. Mm-hmm. I said, we're going to do that today, Yelena. And she goes, what's the record? I said, 25 without a miss. And so 40 minutes later, she said, I'm ready now. When she got the record, she said, I'm ready. So wow. she was just incredible. She was just incredible. At a young age, you could just, there was no doubt that she wasn't going to make it. And I remember seeing Maria Sharapova when she was 12 at the Orange Bowl. There was no doubt she wasn't going to make it. You could just see it in the eyes. You know that eye of the tiger? Right. You could just see it. 
you could just see it. It was amazing to see it, you know, and you don't see it very often. That's incredible. It's really great to hear your experiences with with the pros, uh, really talented pros. Um, so, Dave, uh, you know, what are three books that you would gift to a friend uh, to help them improve their uh, tennis footwork or overall tennis game? Uh, I love this book called Relax and Win. Relax and Win by Bud Winter. I read this, this, this line that said, to move without floor, remember the 80% law, and it took me five years to find it. <laughs> but, wow, it was a great – I just love that quote, to move without floor, remember the 80% law. You know, and, and it was just a fantastic book about the power of being relaxed. I think that was a really good book. And then another one was by, um, by Joe Himes, H-Y-A-M-S, and it was called Zen in the Martial Arts. I really liked that because it was all – about uh, you know doing martial arts for the right reason, um, you know, and I think tennis is an amazing sport. But there's a lot of people that are playing it without the, the, the not not taking it too seriously or whatever, and they're not seeing the the, the amazing benefits of, of, of what tennis is all about from a, um, just as, as growing as a person mm-hmm. and and playing the right way and approaching life the right way and and understanding how that can set you up for the rest of the life if you play tennis the right way. So. I love that Zen in the martial arts. And I think, um, look, I, my last one would be just, you know, John Yandel's site. I have to say that. Just go to his site. I, I wouldn't say a book. I'd say just get on some, some websites, you know, like your webs, like your stuff that you're doing. Um, and and I, I would say, you know, get onto websites and watch the footwork. So they would be my two favorite books, but I'd say definitely, you know, get on and watch the footwork as well. So tennisplayer.net, you can't go past it. Fantastic, Dave. Uh, appreciate that advice and, and the books, uh, great books that we'll, we should check out for sure. And so uh, what are you up to, Dave? I mean, and I know obviously you have your website, um, but what, you know, what else are you, uh, you know, your involvement uh, in, in the tennis world? What are you up to? Well, I think a big thing for me is to try and license coaches, you know, like get, get my big thing is to try and get more people using this language because it makes sense. You know, if you look at, you know, um, ballet, you know, they've all got to set. If you look at diving, you know, before they're going to do that dive off the high tower, exactly what they're going to do. Gymnastics, you know what their routine's going to be because they state, well, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. So I think, you know, for me to try and license coaches who just want to focus in on the footwork. And if I could have, say, I'm really thinking of moving to the States, probably, you know, going to the States and do some licensing over there and have a Bailey, you know, a Bailey tennis footwork coach in every, in every state would be one of my or you know get it you get it um you know credited by say a big coaching body so all the coaches are on the same page they're all using the same language it's so incredible to have this language to even just speak to your kids because when i'm calling out all the different moves that i'm feeding them and they know what to do it's it's so powerful so i think just for me just trying to get the language out there is really important to me and i have licensed coaches in 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 down in in australia and I just love conversing with them. It sounds like we're, you know, we're teaching, a, talking a total foreign language, but uh, you know, I, I just think that's that's my big goal. And much more than saying I've worked with this player, I've worked with that player, I've worked with that player. I just feel my role is is more as an educator. So that's what that's what my goal is. Beautiful stuff, Dave. I mean, that's what we need. We need educators, people who have. Uh, you know, so well versed in a particular aspect of tennis, like footwork. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, I've had several people who have mentioned you actually, and that's why I'm so happy to get you on the show. I mean, shout out to, uh, Bruce Gullickson, who I've, uh, talked to, 
uh, uh-huh. email and he's, he also, you know, highly encouraged me to have you on. So it's uh, really happy about that. And, uh, also where can we follow you, uh, online, Dave? Yeah. So it's, um, www.bailey.com. And I've also got a YouTube channel. So there's a lot of stuff there that you can go to and see, you know, me, um, teaching a lot of this stuff to, um, to, to my students. And one thing that I'm very proud of is if they Google tennis dance, there's a great sort of thing that I put together that was to try. One of my dreams, talk about my other dream, was to try and get all these kids from all around the world to do this tennis dance, run onto the center court of at the U.S. Open and, and entertain the crowd with this tennis dance and whack balls into the, you know, into the stadium. So I'm, that's still one of my dreams. So I put together this as a bit of a marketing thing to um, show how it would work. So if people want to go and Google tennis dance and, and have a look at that, I think it's really cool. I think it's a great thing. That's, so That's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll link to, um, you know, uh, all the links that you mentioned uh, in the, on the show notes page. Um, so that's great. And, and also uh, as far as like, uh, I guess physically or, or live, is there a particular uh, place that you, you kind of train students at? Yeah, I, I, I train them mainly in Sydney, so Sydney, uh, Australia, and I have had people fly in, you know, and, you know, to this land, it sounds crazy, but, you know, they love it because Sydney's a beautiful, beautiful city with our famous beaches and our harbour, and so they can come in and they do two hours of footwork and they, the rest of the time they have a holiday, you know, <laughs> and then they come back and do two hours of footwork and they go and have a holiday and then travel around Sydney and have a great time, so... um yeah, so I do that. I have people. I had a guy fly in from Russia for a, for a week, and and you know I I, I I film them. I write a report, and um, I really encourage them to show it to their coach, so their coach can continue some of the stuff. So, um, yeah, so I, I love to do that, and uh, also I license coaches as well. But hopefully, I'll come across to the states and, and do some licensing over there, and um, I'm really keen to see if I can get to speak at the World Conference as well in October in um in florida so that would be another big goal of mine to try and get happening fantastic dave i'm sure if you keep uh going as you are then you'll definitely uh, reach those goals so that's great um so i guess kind of funny question but have you ever had any uh students uh puke from uh <laughs> from from training them well you know what it's, it's uh yeah we have some pretty nasty sand hills down here <laughs> in this country so uh and, uh, yeah, so so run, running up the sand hills and some of the steps and the the hills, we're a little bit like San Francisco, um, Sydney. So it's um, there's some beautiful, beautiful big hills, and uh, you can't go past running up a big hill, especially if you go back hitting a scissor kick smash. So <laughs> you hit a scissor kick smash up a really steep hill, that's going to make you puke at the top. So let me give you some advice: not something that you want to try too much if it's too steep. But wow, that's a tough drill. Yeah. Oh man, can't wait to do that. Um, yeah. And You're it, most welcome. Mate. Come down to Sydney and we'll do some scissor kick smashes up one of the steepest hills in the world. Oh, man. You'll, you'll that, that would be awesome. I'm definitely going to do yeah. that someday. Um, <laughs> definitely love to meet up, of course, if it, you know, when you come yeah, up here. Um, and so, oh, also, do you, do you have any like uh, social media accounts or anything that we could check out? Yeah, I think you just go to um, baileytennisfootwork.com. Just go to my, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go to my Facebook. Um, that's probably the best way to stay, to stay in touch. And you know, I love to answer any questions that people want to do through Facebook. I'm not a huge Facebook person, but I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that's the, the best way. And, and like, like I say, go to my YouTube channel, Bailey Tennis Footwork. There's some good stuff there as well, as well as my website. 
Sure. Beautiful stuff. Uh, definitely. Um, so Dave, to, you know, love to close out our episodes with this last question of our uh, esteemed guest. So what's, you know, one, the, you know, one key piece of advice, uh, to close that you can give us to help, uh, the audience improve their tennis footwork. Well, I'm going to say it again. I've said it a few times, but my favorite quote is, you know, it's, it's foot, it's footwork, not footwalk, you know, and I think, uh, it's that's the key you know if you get out there and you really work your feet and and you you know uh it's, it's going to make a huge difference and when you start walking on the court um you know if you can't reach it you can't hit it so i remember you know um nick Bolateri said that to me once and i never forget it you know so uh you know so i think that's that's the key um you know, it, it's, it's footwork not footwork and it's just a beautiful thing to say to the kids when they're being lazy you know um, so I'd have to say that's my favorite. I, I think I have to say that's my favorite quote. Yeah. And I love that. It's, it's awesome stuff. Uh, great quote that everyone should remember when you're feeling a little lazy and stuff, uh, just get yeah. got to work hard and, and really want it to, to improve and get to the next level. Well, Dave, uh, you know, it's really, really a pleasure and honor to have you on the show. Um, you've given us a lot of great advice on, uh, footwork and how to improve that area of our game and why it's so important. Uh, I highly encourage everybody to check out www.baileytennisfootwork.com uh, and go check out Dave's uh, fantastic content on there. And uh, yeah, I mean, just thanks so much for being on the show. It was uh, really fun speaking with you and, and having a footwork expert on the show and um, best wishes. And I'm sure we'll connect again very soon. Thanks so much, and it's great for the world to have people like you doing what you're doing, mate, because you're, you're spreading the word and you're helping educate people as well, so I really admire you for doing that as well. Thanks so, so thanks, much, thanks Dave. Thanks so much. Thank, thank all right, you. all the best. All the best. You too, Dave. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Tennis Files podcast with Dave Bailey. I really appreciate Dave coming onto the show to give us a uh, very good explanation of uh, the critical elements of footwork and what the uh, Bailey footwork method is all about. I'd also really love it if you guys would subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast. You can do that on whichever uh, podcast app you use to listen to the show. And if you are on iTunes, you can go to tennisfiles.com slash iTunes for that. Um, and I'd like to leave you all with a quote, as I often like to do at the end of the show. It's a very short one uh, by Jean-Jacques Rousseau. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, And uh, John said, a feeble body weakens the mind. Don't forget that. All right. I appreciate you all listening to the show, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.